been a bad boy in my lifetime. But now I'm trying to be righteous in the Lord's eyes. Welcome everyone to episode 2 of After God's Own Heart podcast. Um, it's your boy Ire, Ire T, Trills. Um, and yeah man, welcome everyone. Uh, thanks to those who have tuned in to episode 1. I love the responses. Uh, thanks for the comments, the reviews. Um, we haven't already tuned in. Um, in that episode, we looked at what it means to be after God's own heart and uh we looked at some of my examples and then we looked at david in the bible because that's the person who god often said was after his own heart and we looked at the different characteristics of david which made him which made uh god say that's a man after his own heart and that's just for people who want to pursue the lord more and the question was are you after god's presence or presence as in are you after what god can give you his presence like gifts uh gucci bag or are you after his presence, like him just being there? Um, cool. Um, and for those who haven't listened already, the concept to the podcast is that we're going to be looking at, well, we're going to be hilariously looking at different characters in the Bible and studying the relationships between them and their interactions. Um, yeah, so, so that we can use it as a blueprint or model for our interaction with people. So, like, for example, if we have enemies, um, how did someone in the Bible deal with their enemies, and how can we then deal with our enemies or pagans? That's the concept. Uh, it won't be like a pamming session. Uh, it'll be quite short and sharp, so, like, under 30 minutes. Um, I think the last one was, that like 27 minutes. But, yeah, so with that, uh, so naturally, in terms of episode two, what we're going to look at now is what God's heart looks like. So, episode one looked at how what it means to be after God's own heart. Episode two looks at, cool, how, what does it even look like? So how can I be after something I don't know what it looks and I don't know what it looks like, right? So we're going to be looking at what God's heart looks like. And how do we do this? Um, well, sim- simple. How do you know anyone's heart? Um, how do you know your boyfriend's heart? How do you know um, your mom and dad's heart? Uh, obviously, you can spend time with them. But when you spend time with them, how do you know what to look for? Um, you can do this by listening to what they say and looking at the actions, but doing those two things over a consistent period of time. So not a one-off, right? Um, like you can you can tell what someone's heart is or what someone's character is based on what they do over a long period of time. And obviously, because we're all imperfect, we'll slip up from time to time. But if if, for example, I'm someone who claims to be honest, but if I keep lying all the time, I'm a liar. I'm a compulsive liar to sort that out. Um, as opposed to someone who lies once in the blue moon, like once every 10,000 years. No, I'm joking. Like once in the blue moon. Okay, cool. So, and, and the reason for that, the reason why I say over a long period of time is because a lot of people are good at hiding their true character, but over the 
over time, the, tra- the over the time, tra- over time, the trajectory of the behavior will be clear. Um, and that's why a lot of guys don't wife girls until like ten years. I'm joking, but that's why a lot of guys and a lot of girls don't rush into relationships because a few weeks sometimes isn't enough to gain someone's true character. Uh, sometimes it is. There isn't a rule to it, but we'll do we'll do an episode on dating and stuff uh, later on. Okay, cool. I've got good news and bad news then. So, but yeah, so what I'll do is I'll basically see what God's own heart is by looking at his characteristics. But I've got good news and bad news. Uh, the good news is we have the Bible, which has 2,000 years of data on God that we can pull through to talk about what his heart is and talk about what his characteristics is. The bad news is I've got less than 30 minutes to do all of that. Um, I can't really quantify God in 30 minutes. I can't quantify him in a year. Uh, so what I'll do is I'll just pick three characteristics of God that resonates the most of me. Um, and the reason I say characteristics is because it says that a good man, it says in Luke 6, 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil of his heart brings forth which is evil. Um, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks, yeah? Cool. And again, that's just more about a consistent period of time. Of course, a, a bad a, a bad guy or bad boy can um, once in a while do good things, right? And a good guy can once in a while be a bad boy, for example, like King David. Um, but most of the time, their pattern of behavior is clear. All right, cool. So with that, the three characteristics of God which resonate with me the most as a way to describe his heart is one, I'd call him... Um, our champion, or my champion for this case, that's champion, yep, um, and, and I'm going to um, expand on this, um, two, gracious, and then three, reasonable, believe it or not, a lot of people think that God's an evil God and so on, um, but I'm actually going to say he's a reasonable guy, um, and I'll explain why. Okay, cool, so that's three, three characteristics, three attributes of his heart, I, that, that, Three ways his heart looks. Three things his heart looks like to me is he's my he's a champion. Um, he's gracious and is reasonable. If you don't like the word champion, uh, maybe you're not used to winning. Not yet, obviously. By God's grace, you'll turn into a winner in Jesus' name. Um, but if you're not if, if you don't like the word champion, maybe advocate or someone like an enforcer who does things for other people. Yeah. So not handle the king like in Game of Thrones, but like a champion like um. Yeah, like you know, in Game of Thrones, where um, don't want to do any spoilers, where basically trial by combat, and you pick someone to fight for you. Yeah, cool. Like um, Superman of the Black Water or um, Aubrey Martel, even though he choked. All right, cool. So number one, my champion. So I think God's my champion because, well, I think he's a champion. Let me say objectively, he's a champion. But I'll talk my experiences as well. Um, because he is someone who you can give your battles to to fight. So that's why I mentioned the Game of Thrones, because obviously um, Tyrion Lannister can't fight, he's small, the dweeb. Um, so he chooses someone to fight for him. Right? So God is my champion because he fights for me, both when I know and when I don't know. Um, for example, and I'll give examples. Uh, well, one 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 simple example is back when I couldn't swim, I went on the jet ski, and the jet ski tipped over, and 
became abundantly clear to me how much the Lord exists because I'm, I'm here to tell that story. All right, cool. Um, that's him battling for me. You're battling the waves against crushing me and stuff, yeah? All right, cool. Um, so, and he's not just any champion. He's not a champion that you have to manipulate or bribe to defend you, but he's actually someone who wants to defend you willingly, yeah? An example of that is in um, 2 Chronicles 20. And for context, you've got, um, you've got, what's his name? How do you pronounce his name? You've got King Jehel Shaphat, right? Who's king of Judah and Jerusalem. And the Moabites, or the, yeah, the Moabites and the Ammonites have waged war against him, right? And they've got bare people in the army, like, the army's stacked stacked right so it's a it's a proper problem yeah and on verse 12 in 2 chronicles 20 uh jehoshaphat asked the lord our god will you not judge them for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us we do not we, we do not know what to do but our eyes are on you right and then in verse 15 the lord replies do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God. And then it gives, and then the Lord gives them some instructions. And then in verse seventeen it says, "You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you." Right. So I mean. That's some serious scripture there. Serious stuff. Alright? You know, I can't even pronounce it. So, yeah. So, Jehoshaphat has seen pagans everywhere. Right? You know that Buzz Lightyear theme where you see pagans everywhere. But yeah, I've seen pagans everywhere. And imagine, this is the king of Israel and Judah. So, Israel and Judah have armies. I mean, these guys aren't some small, com aren't some small country. They've got men, right? But they've seen more men come on, come up on an op block and they're terrified. And even God says, this is a vast army, right? But you see how eager, you see God's like, you know what? The battle is not yours. It is his. And you will not have to fight this battle. So that's what God is like with us, with our every um, battles and every each issue to go through every day. Um, for example, I remember one example, I remember when I, when I handed in my notes for my last job, I was terrified because I'm like, these guys have been so loyal to me. These guys have, you know, trained me, put, spent bare money on me, flew me out, expensed me. I've lived good, right? And but I'm here telling them I want to leave. And this is, sounds like such a simple battle. <laughs> I know it's probably, probably not as, as um, deep as a lot of other battles, but at that point in time, years back, that was a big deal to me, right? Obviously, now it's easy. And I was like, I had to, I had to call my um, mentor and I was like, yo, how am I going to break this news to them? And he was like, no, you know, God's got you, etc., etc." And I was like, cool, God, I'm putting this in your hands. Um, this battle is yours. And, you know, it wasn't that deep in it and I quit. Um, I got And I got my new job, earned a lot more money and thank God for that. But that's just an example of how God wants you to give your battles to him.
You know, Jesus talks about um, giving him your burdens, right? Giving him your burdens for his yoke is easier to, to bear. Uh, now, the problem is a lot of us don't want to give Jesus our burdens, but I'll get into it in actions after. You know what I like to do is I like to um, do my free uh, points and then give action for takeaways for you guys. I'll do that later. Uh, but yeah, so one, my champion, God is someone who wants to fight our battles. Yeah, he wants to fight our battles for us. A lot of the time, we like to do things in our own strength. We like to um, pretend that we're the baddest guys on the planet, or we like to pretend that we've, we know it all, right? But, and I'll get onto this as well, but God wants to just fight for us. He's like, he's, you know, he's that eager guy in, on, on the football pitch saying, dial me in, coach. Or he's that guy in the tag team championship like saying, tag me in, I want this. Yeah, so that's one champion. All right, cool. Uh, number two is gracious again. So you know, what does grace mean? Uh, grace is when you get something even though you haven't worked for it. Yeah? And then obviously underneath grace, you have things like mercy, forgiveness, and generosity. And of course, the difference between grace and mercy is uh, grace is you getting something that you haven't worked for, and mercy is you not getting something that you should get. So think about when you should be punished, but you're not punished, God doesn't punish you, right? And grace, like, um, you know, when he gave you the gift of salvation that you didn't work for, um, just to, yeah. Or think about, uh, to make it more realistic to you, when you've showed someone grace, is, for example, when um, you give them a gift for that, you give them a gift just for the sake of it. You know, love languages and all that stuff. You give them a gift, even though they haven't done anything for it, just because it's just you, just because they're just your friend. Or think about a person who took you out for all that you randomly and said, you know what, let's go here. Your friend or your, yeah, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your husband, wife, they are like, yeah, you know what, let me just take you out just for this day, randomly. Or when someone randomly messages you randomly, something positive, that's grace, yeah? Okay, cool. Um, the, the biggest example is, you know, when we forgive, when we mess up, God forgives us, right? So, no, this is this is uh, you know the, and the best example for this is obviously the the parable of the uh, prodigal son, uh, you know. And usually, people hear this. They hear, yeah, you know, the guy, um, the guy decided to be a bad boy, uh, leave the family's house, and go and mess around, and came back, and his and his, and his father helped him. But there's a few things in that story that people actually miss out. So if you look at Luke, if you look at Luke 15. Uh, so obviously, for context, the prodigal son has been a bad boy. He's left his father's house and he's gone around to do shakarai. He's taken all his resources and he's made a mess. He's plundered it all. And now he's, you know, he's like, you know what, man, this, this life isn't about, I'm not about this life. So he sobers up. Yeah, he sobered up. <laughs> Reminds me when I quit the roads back in um, secondary school. Because all my boys were in jail, and I was just literally just me on ends repping, and I was like, nah, I ain't really about this life, nah, and I sobered up quick. But yeah, if you look at verse 17, um, it talks about when he came to his senses. So this is Luke 15, verse 17. It says, when it came to his senses, he said, 
how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Now the bit that I love the most isn't that bit. So a lot of people like to think about, like, like to focus on um, him sobering up and him asking for forgiveness and so on, right? Which is important because why is God going to forgive you if you haven't repented, right? You know, think about a person again, as I mentioned last week, who defrauds your car, defrauds your card, or sells you a car, and then decides to steal it, <laughs> right? You saw on Twitter and have a day. Um, yeah. You're not going to forgive them if they're not repenting, right? But yeah, so the bit I guess that I love the most is, if Karen read in verse 20, it says, so he got up and went to his father, right? But, and the bit I love the most is, it carries on and says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arm around him and kissed him. Fam, that is crazy. That's sick. And he goes, bring out the fat end calf and kill it. You know, for the son of man was dead and is now alive again. He was lost and is now found. Now, the grace in that is because he hasn't even gone back to his father's house yet. His father's just seen this on his way back and says, you know what, that's enough for him to run to him and get him. And that is as merciful and as gracious as, as it gets. And that's as loving as it gets because if, if his son hasn't completely made the change back, all he's had is maybe a change of mindset. But God is saying, you know what, that change of mindset is great enough. The small action that you're doing, I'm going to come and meet you there and bring you back myself. And that's, and that's incredible. Human beings, we wouldn't do that. Um, if you know, if I bet my boy, I bet my boy's bridge, and but then again, he didn't even say sorry. So you know what? Forget that. Um, but yeah, human beings wouldn't even do that. We'd wait for the person to come completely back to us first before forgiving them. Even and and that's if we even forgive. But here, God is saying that He will come to you as soon as He sees you change your mind and you just started to make a step back to Him. And that's as gracious as get. That's incredible for me. So that's why I call it gracious because um, that's 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 incredible. That sums him up great. Um, yeah, you know, like him dying on the cross for us, right? Uh, you know, another example is him dying on the cross. He created us. He, he created us. He created us knowing we would sin, right? And was like, you know what? Instead of just wiping us all out, right? Obviously, Noah, he, because he loved humans so much, he still chose humans. He still chose certain people to carry on, right? And then he promised not to do it again. But knowing he was going to sin, right? Instead of saying, you know what, forget humans, I will um, chill with um, giraffes instead, right? He said, no, nah, humans are my prime creation. I will create a scheme, such as coming down to earth, to die on a cross and save them. I mean, if I knew if I knew I was gonna have to die to save people who are my enemies or people who have hated me and persecuted me, boy oh boy, I don't think I, I don't I don't think I can do that. But you know, and that's another act of love and grace that God knew we were gonna fall short. And instead of destroying human being and being like, you know what, let me just chill with giraffes or um, jaguars, right? He's like, no, I'll still create them as planned, and I will die for them on top of that so that they can be saved. And that pain, and if you don't think that was painful, uh, look up him in the Garden of Gethsemane, look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and um, 
look how much pain he was going through. He even wanted, to, he didn't want to go on that cross at that point in time. He's like, if, if you know, if the, if the pain, if, if the pain, if the cup of suffering can pass him, don't let him drink it. So that tells you how painful dying was. All right, cool. So that's two. So we've done gracious. And then the last one is, God is reasonable. Yeah. Like a lot of people think that God is some evil guy or the boogeyman or someone who's wicked and, you know, and there is, there's a reason for that, but I'll get onto that as well. Um, but God won't give you more than you can take. Um, you know, the Bible talks about um, he won't let you be tempted more than you can um, handle. And even in that, it says, it says there, he will also give you a way out, right? Um, like, you know, like when you're in temptation, what you can think of is like, you know, think about the story of Job. God's tearing the devil. God's tearing the devil. This is my champion. This is oh, I'm using the word champion again. This is my my my, fair, my my great creation. I'm proud of him or her, and they're not gonna fall into temptation. So when they, whenever you're tempted again, think about God celebrating you in advance, showing you off to the enemy. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And the greatest, the great, the greatest, the best example of God being reasonable is in Genesis 18, um, verse 16 to 33. But I won't go through all of it just for the sake of time. And in this, we see here for context. Um, Abraham's in Sodom and God is thinking about wiping out Sodom, right? And then he decides to tell um he decides to tell Abraham what he wants to do that he wants to wipe it away, right? You know, and that's because in Sodom they're evil. Like if you look at verse twenty it says, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and the sins are so grievous. Imagine that. It says here like How can it say the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grievous? You know what grievous sin is? Crazy stuff. All right, cool. Right? And then Abraham says to him, right, in verse 23, we sweep away, or ask him in verse 23, we sweep away the righteous of the wicked. What if there are 50 people in the city? Right? We sweep it away. So he said, said, what if there are 50 righteous people in the city? So the rest of the, the majority, the vast majority of people are bad boys or bad girls living a crazy lifestyle, right? But Abraham says, if there's only 50 people there out of the majority of people who are are, are crazy, there's only 50 good people there, will you sweep it? And obviously Abraham then says, you know, far from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous as well as the wicked. Because obviously he knows that's not God. He knows God is reasonable, right? And in, in verse 26, the Lord says, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the hopeless for their sake. I mean, boy, listen to that. You know, you know the presidents are nowadays, they're going to nuke Iraq and nuke um, anywhere, even if their kids and wives there. But God's saying, this place is so sinful, I need to wipe it off, but I won't wipe it off if there's 50 people there. And eventually, if you know, as you know the story, as you go on, Abraham then says, you know what? If there is 10 people there, will you destroy it? And Abraham and God says, you know what? For the sake of 10 people, I'll not destroy it. So 
if there's just 10 people out of hundreds of thousands or thousands of people, God saying he won't destroy the city, even though thousands of people are bad and, you know, evil. That's him being reasonable. And, um, yeah, okay, cool. So that's, that's three African characteristics. Uh, one... And then one more for that would be if you look at Moses when God meets him in the when God meets him in the burning bush, um, you know initially Moses was supposed to be the one to talk to the elders of Israel, um, but he complained to the Lord and said, "You know what, Lord, I can't talk. I'm like, um, I can't talk." And even though God's angry, God's like, "You know what? Cool, Aaron will do the talking. You will tell Aaron what I tell you." Right? And Aaron will talk to the elders of Israel. Right? So that's him being reasonable. Um, you can, you can, I'm not saying, but you can bargain of God. I thought, we thought Abraham bargain of God and sold him, and we see Moses bargain of him. But the issue with that is that you may miss out on a true blessing that God wanted. So God could have planned for you to be the one doing the talking, and and because you've given it to someone else, even though God can still use you, you're not going to get the true um, fulfilling and true anointing that you were supposed to get. So even though you can bargain with God, you might tell God, you know what, this burden is too much for me. And God might be like, you know what, cool. Give it to someone else, right? But then you're missing that particular purpose in your life. So you've got to be careful about bargaining with God. All right, cool. So, cool. So, um, so yeah, those are the three things. He, uh, he's, a champ, he's, he's our champion, our advocate, if you like. He's gracious and he's reasonable. Um, now, I'll summarize that as him being a loving father. Um, you know, the Bible says a good father provides for his family. Uh, so all you men moving stingy with your wives, um, step up. Um, and, you know, nothing beats that perfect image of a good father, like maybe the prodigal son. Yes, your family's going yes, to mess up at some points in time, um, but God being a good father forgives us. He provides for us, even when we don't deserve it. You know, that's him being gracious. And it's reasonable. We can talk to him. He won't um, give us what we can't handle. He said, cool, mothers. Even though this is what I've called you to do, if you want to miss out on the true glory of what I've called you to do, cool. Um, so God isn't going to force himself on you. Um, sometimes, because of his mercy and grace, he might fight our battles that we don't even ask for, that we don't even know we're fighting for. Like when you're sleeping, right? <laughs> yeah, and you wake up, right? And two, he's gracious and three, reasonable. So action items for you now. Uh, number one. Okay, so number one. So you, let's say you're someone who... On the flip side, you're someone who actually does want God to um, fight your battle. So you, you are being humble, right? But why is it not happening? Why is it not fighting your battle? Why are you getting pammed at work? Why are you getting pammed by your boyfriend? Why are you getting pammed by your wife? Why are you getting pammed by your friends? Yeah, why is just life pamming you? You go into the gym, you can't lift the weight. It's just everything's pamming you, right? Potential reason for that could be your, your, your lack of faith or your small amount of faith. And you might wonder what I mean. Sometimes your level of faith will determine your level of breakthrough. So, for example, in Mark 6 verse 5, you know, Jesus is trying to heal some people and trying to do miracles there. And it says he could not do a miracle there at all because of their unbelief, except that he laid his hands on a few people and healed them. So again, if he could not do a miracle there at all because of their unbelief, uh, so maybe God's not being able to fight your, fight your battles because you're still doubting him in certain areas. So you have to think about them areas so that he can be a champion, yeah? And remember, in that scripture I sent before in 2 Chronicles, 
it says, you know, we do not want, we do not know, we do not know what to do, but we look to you. Are you looking to God still, or are you still looking at the problem at hand? You know, there's two different. You know, if you look to God, He can sort the problem. If we keep looking at the problem, then maybe you're preventing God from breaking through for you. Uh, number two, think about some of the things you haven't really repented about. Right. Um. Yeah, and then three. Reasonable. So you, you maybe you think that. You know, God's not reasonable. Why? Is it because you've applied for a job you haven't got it? Is it because you've wanted this particular ability, or you've wanted your child, or you've wanted um, that boyfriend or that girlfriend? Right? Uh, why haven't you got it? Even if God's so reasonable. Um, but you know, a lot of the issue is God. You know, one one thing could be, for example, um, have you done everything that's required on your end before God steps in? Remember, God's reasonable. So he won't give you something that you can't handle. Um, you might want that great girlfriend, but you as a man, are you ready to provide? Are you ready to be the priest in your own home? Are you, can you handle um, a family? You know, maybe you haven't met your princess Cinderella yet, but maybe you haven't, you're single. And that's because God knows if he gave you the wife, you'd destroy the relationship. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of people want, a lot of people want to end up in, um, a lot of people want to end up at point C, right? But they're still at point A, right? And God is saying to you, he will meet you at point B and take you to point C. But you need to get yourself from point A to point B so that God can take you to point C. But you're not. You know, you're thinking God's going to take you from A to C. And again, God is a reasonable God. So he won't give you something that will end up destroying you yourself. Yeah, so bear that in mind. And on the flip side, if you're going through temptation at the moment, if you're thinking of sending that risky text, thinking of being a bad boy or a bad girl, I remember you're in a position, you know, let, why don't you use the opportunity for God to celebrate you in front of the enemy and be like, you know what, this is my faithful servant. Um, he's going to believe in me and he's going to obey my rules, even though the temptation is great. Remember, no temptation is so great that you can't survive it or you can't resist it. Yeah? So those are my those are my um three characteristics um of God. Uh, that's what I think God's heart looks like. Uh what are yours? Uh feel free to comment. All thoughts and views are welcome. Um thanks for tuning in. Uh follow the podcast at After God's Own Pod. So again, the podcast is called After God's Own Heart Podcast, but the the at itself is After God's Own Pod. And that's likewise with the hashtag, hashtag after God's on pod. As always, leave a review, please suggest. Oh, and you can feel free to suggest um, topics you want to hear or even Bible characters you want me to go through. Um, I'm open. I've got, I've got open door policy, so let me know. Um, if you want to jump on a podcast, I can't guarantee it, but um, shout me and we can, we can bounce some ideas and take it from there. And if you're interested in me specifically or to reach out to me, um, you can find me on Instagram, which is iray.ae, which is ire.ae, or on Twitter at irayliwa, which is I-R-A-Y-L-I-W-A. Okay, cool. Um, see you next week.